welcome back to the Purpose, Purpose <laughs> Podcast. Um, so today's episode, we're going to be covering questions that have come oh, through. Okay, no, do that oh, again. Oh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot to introduce Christina. Oh. Um, and Mark Skand is with us. And what's happening this episode is we're going to go through the questions that you guys have sent through. Um, and we have Mark Skander with us, not only editing. I mean, we don't edit here. We don't cut out anything. Um, <laughs> recording, I should say. Um, and he's also going to be going through the questions with us that you guys have sent through. So this episode is going to be going through the emails that we've received. Um, and if there's anything you'd like to send, please send it through to purpose at Upper Room Media. That's spelled out Upper Room Media. .org. And I'm not spelling it out so that Chris Sard doesn't send anything through. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and please also address Christina because everyone <laughs> seems to be addressing Dan. That's fine. I'm not no. jealous at all. No, Christina cries right. Yeah, guys. Behind Christine. every great man is... I'm just joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another episode. <laughs> or a different podcast. Yeah. Also, you're getting married in a couple man. of months, so... Yeah. yeah, in a couple of months. You know, it's uh, like three uh, weeks. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's three crazy. How many? Three, I think three. <laughs> I think three. Yeah, November 8. Oh, that's Excited. to check his calendar. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get the party started. Let's get it started. All right. So, the most important question <laughs> sent in from Daniel Hakim was, <laughs> who was the cute girl on the show? It's me. P.S. Big fan, love the show. <laughs> you really got your husband to email you? Yeah. Like uh, I genuinely think she just emailed from her his account. Yeah. No, like- <laughs> because nobody was sending any emails addressed to me. So, I was like, complaining to him. What I was are you saying- talking about? Every email was like, Christina and Dan. No, every email was like, hey, Dan, I'm, I'm finally sending an email in. Now you know this podcast is <laughs> No, that's is in legitimate. the body, but at the beginning, guys, please address Christina. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, not even Christina. It was Christine, which is not my name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's my fault. And also, Mina Nasi. I mean, Mina Nasi. Who? Nasi. Kiro Nasi. Oh, Kiro, sorry. Kiro. And yeah, you who get your was name last right. week's uh, guest? Mark. Mark. Mark also B. called me Christine a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes. So it's Christina. Yeah, that's okay. Christina. I'd love some emails, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just to clarify, Christina, you are a cute girl on the show. Not Marlon. All right. Um. All right. You're let's a cute girl. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, why isn't Dana emailing? <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Dana she doesn't listen. Doesn't Dana doesn't listen? She doesn't listen, and that's a good thing. Does she listen to Mammy and All the Righteous Men? No, she doesn't say anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. She's getting back. She's Not like, she's do. like one of those girls that hates Mikey and Emma. I also don't like Mikey and Emma. Who likes Mikey and Emma? But like, I hope we're not. Like yeah, straight Mikey up, who likes them? But I think she's like <laughs> secretly just listens to them. Oh. You know when you like something, but you've got that disgusted look on your face, but you're just still listening because it's just like, <laughs> but you're kind of curious as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every time I get in the car with her and she turns it on, mm. it's like on 96.9. It's got like trashy music. 96.1's my key One, sorry. Mm. Um, 96.9 is Purpose Podcast. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> We're on national radio. And she gets a little bit embarrassed. Like, oh, okay. I, I think she knows I'm judging like that she listens to that kind of music. Mm-mm-mm. Um. Yeah, sorry. All right. Question time. <laughs> should probably get started. All right, uh, this is a good one to start with. So, um, this question was sent in. It says, "I was wondering what you thought, what you all thought about the rules of the Coptic Orthodox faith. 
like it seems that a lot of them have been created by us and not by God. For example, we grow up being taught that dating someone who is not Coptic Orthodox is bad, regardless of whether they are Christian, and that dating before late university years is wrong. Other Christian groups do not, don't have such rules, and as far as I know, they are not in the Bible. I personally just find it difficult to determine what has been said by God and what is culturally constructed. It's a good question. It is a good question. Do you reckon this guy's just <laughs> annoyed at his mum? <laughs> he wants to date an uncoppered girl yeah. when he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> For Dolly Christine. Um, yeah. I guess I see where he's coming from. Because that's definitely something that I was aware of or that was definitely told to me when I was growing up. But I think it's kind of old school thinking. Like our parents came, or most of our parents at least, came from Egypt and we were sort Mm. of first generation. So I think Mm. they brought those sort of cultural constructs with them from Egypt. And Um, also in Egypt, there wasn't really anyone apart from Coptic Orthodox. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the people they grew up with. Unless you (laughs) married, you know, from another completely different religion. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think that's definitely something that our parents have sort of instilled in us. But I think now that we're sort of first generation, I think we're slowly starting to come out of those sort of stigmas. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with dating someone that's um, not of our culture. Um, Mm. But definitely in terms of the age thing, I think it's probably a wiser decision to date someone when you're a little bit older because Mm. at least for me, when you're young, you sort of don't really know who you are. And I think we've sort of touched on this in um, past episodes. But I think it's important to develop sort of your personality and your interests and your hobbies and just your own um, like sense of self and relationship with God before you sort of dive into a relationship. So I think age, yes, definitely is a factor. I don't think it's the same rule for everyone. But I think it's probably a better decision to wait a little bit longer. In terms of Christianity, I think as long as they're a Christian, it's probably okay, to be honest. Mm. But I do understand where they're coming from. But it's good that you mentioned culture because Coptic Orthodoxy, like I think maybe we're getting a, a little bit confused. Like he's talking about culture, mm. but mentioning religion mm-hmm. because our religion is not our culture. That's right. Uh, and he's probably been... Like someone, whoever's telling him his parents or whatever, are probably telling him marry within your culture. Yeah. Uh, or they could be telling both. But I, I, my point is, it doesn't have to be Coptic, mm. I think, is the, the what we maybe need to think outside of. Or that, you you know, say, not say you have to marry Coptic Orthodox. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know Coptic Orthodox are the most perfect people. Yeah. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, just um the first thing that kind of like stuck out to me was, Coptic Orthodox rules. Yeah. I mean, like half the rules that people talk about, or half mm. the boundaries that people set, are not like Orthodox at all. They're not Christian yeah, yeah. at all. They're yeah, not just, like those rules. They're are... just Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. then we just start having these conversations, and then we start, yeah. you know, trying to justify things, and then we're going around in circles like for no reason because they're not like actual rules. Yeah. For example, yeah. I was gonna say um, the whole idea of like you know. Um, do we believe in evolution, you know? Mm. Um, and we start going against science and then some kid goes to um, high school or uni and learns a bit more about science. It's like, hey, look, the evidence is quite clear that, you know, the Earth is really, really old, a lot older than, you know, what um, purist or literalist, yeah. you know, um, that interpret the Bible suggest. Mm. And then, like, their faith gets shaken. When in reality, in orthodoxy, there's mm. no, like there's no issues with the whole idea of um, evolution. So Mm. I think that same thing might be applying here with the rules of like our social stuff, such as um, 
marrying someone from a different culture or whatever. I mean, like, for example, St. Paul, I think he actually does address it, like, albeit that it was a different context where mm. people were converting a lot to Christianity. Mm. Um, he was saying to a woman, you know, if, if, if you married someone who's not, you know, of the faith, Mm. then like you know kind of like stick it out whatever um so i, I don't remember the exact dialogue but it, it's there mm. um but and we're not even saying like marry someone outside the faith completely like we're saying you it's not wrong to go outside of our culture yeah i mean we have now well both my brother and my sister they mm. married someone outside mm. um the Egyptian i think culture. it's also inevitable like i think if you fight it you're actually creating a problem because in three generations time we're not going to be purely egyptian like we're not going to be all immigrants like so we're actually trying to fight a problem that it might be inevitable um but i just wanted to actually go back to what you said about um culture i think the other problem as well is that we paint god in a brush that is not true like we give god we give non-christians and people who are growing up in the faith this wrong impression of god who is not you know that god is this strict you have to stay in the church blah blah like the, it might be this like we're giving this wrong impression of who god is and what he wants from us and we're saying god is coptic orthodox god is not coptic orthodox god is not any he doesn't he's not a religion he's mm. not do you, do you know what i'm saying yeah i'm probably miss <laughs> completely mis- i think we're blurring the lines between like culture and mm. dogma and mm. i think that's there has to be a distinction yeah which is what you were saying yeah yeah <clears throat> but like the reality is that we as a human race have our own cultures yeah and god works with us yeah, yeah. i mean that's why i love looking at you know different orthodox churches and mm. um especially you know this the whole idea of saint luke's where it's like trying to differentiate what's culture and what's orthodox so that yeah. we mm. can give that to the australian you know community yeah mm. um that's when you start looking at other Orthodox churches and you see what's in, what's common. Yeah. Yeah. For example, we all have icons, yeah. but our icons look a bit different. Yeah. We all um, show reverence to communion, but mm-hmm. we show it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, so like yeah, we use our culture to express our worship and our yeah. praise. Mm-hmm. So like, we shouldn't like, completely separate it, but yeah. understand that the praise and worship and doctrine can be incorporated in different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are good things from your from our culture that we should definitely like. We can't just throw out everything um, along with it. Like our culture values family. There are things that we've taken from being Egyptian without our faith, and they've probably influenced each other. Of course, yeah. but there are things that we can definitely take. And whether you are marrying someone who's Coptic Orthodox or not, that mm-hmm. you can definitely take into the, you know that you can bring to someone else who maybe doesn't have that um, th- those values. Like we value education. We value uh, as we said, family, um, raising children, ra- like those are good things. They're not bad things. And they're probably, as I said, they're probably influenced by religion instead of the, op- the other way around. Mm. And what do you guys think about the age part of his question or her question? Yeah, it's a tough one. I yeah, mean, you I mean, dated like, Dina when you were like 18. <laughs> no, I was... Yeah, there's, was... I think there's like a 2012 video <laughs> where Marwood <laughs> was flirting with Dina. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was, um, I think she was 21 at the time yep. or 20. And I was 22. Yeah. Yeah. I think. When you started? Yeah, when yep. we started dating. But, we'll but you were flirting school. for like a really long time. <laughs> yeah, but the flirt I didn't know her till after school anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so what, year, what year in uni were you? I think second. Like your fifth degree or something. Oh, second, third. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was the first degree. Um, for the listeners who don't know me, yes, I have five degrees. I'm an expert. It wasn't switching. Mm. That's, yeah. Completed all five. Completed, completed all, all five, five yeah, yeah, yeah. in five years. Yeah. Next step yeah. must be crazy. 
I mean, I, I remember being a kid. To be upfront, when, when I was younger, I thought, I'm like, no, I'm so mature. I'm ready for this relationship yeah. thing. I'm yeah. so ready. I'm even ready for marriage. And I was like, like 15. I remember having those thoughts. Yeah. Yes, I, I know. It's crazy. Because they're just going to be like, Dude, like, you're not even ready now. Or what the heck? And you're getting married in Literally. three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> November 8th. If anyone yeah. wants to come. So you're always, it's kind of like this little dilemma where um, when you're young, you think you're mature and wise yeah. and then when you're old you, th- you realise you're not mature and wise and yeah. therefore you become reluctant or yeah. anxious kind of thing Yeah. Um, and also you don't like with dating when you're young um, it, it, I feel like it kind of stunts growth mm. as well um, dating does have its commitments mm. um, and it can take away from other things as well mm. And it's your glory. And I think especially as young people, we don't know how to like set boundaries and say, well, I need to also, whoops, I need to also spend time with friends. I need to also spend time with family. I need to, like when we're young, we don't know, we're not good at that sort of thing. Like Time management. No, not, yeah, time management, but also we just get caught up in the whole thing. Get carried away. Uh, get carried away and especially it's like as young. An accessory. Yeah. And you can be very heavily influenced by this mm. other person. Mm. Um, it's, I, I think probably like especially if the girl is younger I think uh, that tends to be quite common as a girl can be quite heavily influenced by this older person mm. um, I don't think it matters to be honest I think like as a, a girl no it doesn't general, no no I'm, yeah I'm and I saying, think guys as well like, I think that's the danger with yeah. both obviously yeah you get really carried away and yeah. like like mild said it's like your glory is when you're young you need to like yeah. cultivate all these other yeah. hobbies and interests and what do you, you know your career yeah. if you want to have a career and your study and that sort of stuff so i think yes it's a cultural thing that your parents say like oh don't date until you're a little bit older yeah but i think that's actually says our parents decision. who got married at 17 <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but i think if you are gonna date when you're younger or even when you're older you need the guidance of your confession yeah, father definitely you, know, you need someone to guide you because um like you said mark like you need to be able to set boundaries and be really mm. strict with yourself because yeah it is it's it's not easy obviously when mm. you're young and you need to sort of have someone guide you and make sure that you're um if you are in a relationship mm. nourishing that relationship in a godly way as well mm. yeah so you can grow together and also, I think it's like, so hard. when young people think of, um, it's kind of like they, how do I, how do I put it? Um, so they want to date at a young age, or mm. they don't see the issue, and it's like, oh my god, you're so backwards or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's kind of what it is depicted Everyone's in movies, music, it, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, while simultaneously they think they can do that, but what they're not really understanding is the way society or western culture does dating mm. is very different from the way mm. they hopefully should intend to date mm. yeah i mean with dating when you're younger that's when you start exploring you know like sexuality that kind of stuff when as you know christians that's something that's explored after marriage yeah so are you going to start that whole process as a 15 and year old you don't realize that when you're young you just exactly yeah and you think you can enjoy yeah, you yourself think you can do it, yeah it's like nah, i'm different to everyone else yeah, yeah. you know it's like that nah, you know We've been together since year eight. You know, what could go wrong? And 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 I know not, some not people. Oh, not you. I was <laughs> like, what? No, I'm like... <laughs> a, yes. Went to an old boys' school. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Maybe> possible. <laughs> so this is the episode. <laughs> do, you, do you guys think you were ready when you got married? Obviously not. Oh, you're mild as well. But you know how we always say you need to wait till you're ready? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, do you ever think you could be ready? 
happens more naturally than that. I don't think you wake up and you're, you make an active yeah, decision obviously. like, oh, now I'm ready to get married. <laughs> I think it just happens naturally and yeah. you just become more comfortable with the person. With you. And I think a big part of it is like, especially when you're younger, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with dating, I think. Like, mm. is this the right person for mm. me? And like, how should I behave? And how should this person behave? And there's a lot of um, people talk a lot about submission and that mm. sort of stuff. And I think you can't fully appreciate that or you can't... Um, you can't sort of be a bit more sacrificing until you're a little bit older mm. because when you're young, you've sort of done everything you want. Mm. So when I got into a relationship, at least, I felt like I was ready to be in a relationship because I sort of just mm. did everything that I wanted to do. Mm. I, I traveled, I finished my mm. study, whatever. Um, and so when I was a bit older, I felt like, yes, now I'm ready to be in a relationship. I don't mm. think it, it, you sort of are ever like ready to get married. I yeah, think it just yeah. sort of happens. But I get what you're saying. I think when you're a little bit older, you can be a bit more wise in the decisions yeah. you make in a relationship. I think you, you mentioned a good point. I know you didn't want to talk about suffering, but <laughs> I think when you're older as well, you've endured a lot more and you've gone through a lot of yep. mo- lot more problems and difficult times. And that allows you to start to think about someone else other than yourself. Yeah, but I think when you're younger, all you can think about yourself because mm-hmm. you don't realize that you could be humbled by any problem mm. Like when you're young, there's not really, uh, like I said, this is obviously a generalization, but you don't tend to think about anyone apart from yourself mm. as, as you know, when you're younger. But and as think, you get older, you have, yeah. you encounter more, you endure more, you meet different types of people through uni, through work, or whatever, and you realize I'm not, you know, I'm not the all the way I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm not the only person. The world doesn't revolve around me. Yeah. And I, I think, think you need to be at that level to actually start thinking about someone else. I think you you made a good point. I think as well, like when you're a little bit older and you're in a relationship or um, you can rely on God a little bit more mm. as well because you have, I mean, when you're You've older, you obviously experience yeah. a bit more yeah. and, and hopefully your relationship with God is a little bit stronger, yeah. especially during your, your youth, which is yeah. something we spoke about last week. So yeah. I think that's important as well because you develop habits when you're younger mm. and they can't be changed by this other person. Mm. You know mm. who you are. And I think that's important because mm. I think when you get into a relationship, it's very easy to change mm. the person you are for mm. your partner to mm. suit the other person mm. which is not always necessarily mm. a good thing yeah. yeah yeah especially if that person is not suitable for you and like that makes sense. this guy mentioned you know as far as i know they're not in the bible these rules mm. but i think the bible doesn't ever establish any guideline or anything like for example moses got married at 40 started his service at 80 mm. like that is so out of the ordinary so i think like even if the bible doesn't say you're not allowed to get married at 18 it also doesn't say you have to be married by 25 or you have to follow a certain timeline mm. it's whatever your journey is whatever you think if you're already at 35 you're already at 35 there's mm. no one there saying that mm. this is what you need to be god has his own plan and i think if you try and fight against that and you're not at the point with your relationship with god you're not at the right point mm. then you might be setting yourself up for failure and being comparing yourself to other people around you and what everyone else is doing yeah can be a problem definitely especially in our community yeah. it's very easy to compare yourself to other yeah. people and like oh all and my social media as well yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it is it is very hard it's yeah. so funny because you f- you find like when you go through a season of like proposals every- yeah. all of a sudden all- yeah. <laughs> everyone starts like getting <laughs> when am i gonna get proposed yeah. to yeah. it's so funny <laughs> you're all right mark <laughs> <laughs> me why am i not all right uh, i said you're all right oh, i'm all right oh, you too mine <laughs> 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 I'm not here to vent. Bill from your Ted Wolf. I'm just saying. That's not biblical. <laughs> well, that's that's the, the only thing that's yeah, not that, biblical. That's well, it is, but it's not. <laughs> doesn't yeah, end not the way you want it to. 
think a blanket statement should be um, that if you decide to be in a relationship with your younger or when you're older, you should always mm. involve your confession father. Mm. I think that's sort of the most important thing. Yeah. And don't isolate yourself as well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. yeah like really f- friends and, you know, g- people and all that kind of stuff that add so much flavor yeah. to, to the relationship. Yeah. And if you're going to be that kind of guy where like you're 17 or, and gal. You, or girl mm. where like you're 17, you get into a relationship mm. and it's just the two of you and you're you know, missing oh my God, out, whatever. Missing it's like, out, man, like develop your social circles, yeah. develop your relationships. And yeah. then because what if you are in that relationship at 17 and, you're dating for three years and then, God forbid, you break up. Yeah. What now at 20 when your friends are a lot more involved in whatever they're involved in, jobs, uni, whatever, and you're just, you've been relying on this whole person, whether you're a guy or a girl. Mm. Um, and now you've got to like start again like a, yeah. and redevelop those skills and redevelop those friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, but not uh, I'm not plugging The Righteous Man, but <laughs> there's an episode coming out in a couple of weeks where we talked about Mrs. Right versus Mrs. Right Now and the importance of timing. Mm. Um, and I think you guys touched on it. Like, timing is... It's individual for everyone. Like, the right person might come along for you, but they're not the right person at that time. You're not ready for that person. Yeah. Um, you're not ready to be in that relationship. So I think you've got to... use you As you said, you have to be guided by a confession father, by, you know, someone who's older, someone who's been through it as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So probably in conclusion for that question, that guy, there are no Coptic Orthodox rules. What no. you're describing is just um, experience and wisdom yeah. from your elders, which is something that the Bible does encourage. Yeah. So yeah, like, we sh- we're not saying exactly. ignore your mum. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go, your mom. Don't go to your mum at home and be like, did you see what the purpose podcast <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just they because said it's- I can date anyone at any age. <laughs> Please don't bring home your, um, I don't know, random girlfriend from school and be like, the Purpose Podcast said I can, <laughs> I can date her. Yeah, I think listening to wisdom is important. And there is there is a reason why they've said that because if you are marrying someone who's Coptic Orthodox, they ha- hopefully have the same spiritual goals and that should be your priority. And that's, I think, what is the goal behind that, let's say, rule mm. is a spiritual goal. Mm. Um which we probably sometimes gloss over a little yeah. bit sometimes. Next question. Next question. What are your thoughts on control in one's life? Society teaches us to take control and play a very active role, go after that career or that girl, etc. I think this guy is like really keen on a girl. <laughs> <laughs> is it the same person? Yes, yeah, same guy. Oh, no way. No. Okay. Um, whereas Christianity, I feel, encourage us to be, <laughs> encourages us to be more passive. It will all work out if it's God's will. But if I don't get into that course, I want, is it really God's will or perhaps I didn't work hard enough? And with the whole it's God's will concept, we seem to pick what we attribute to God's will. But if God knows everything before it happens, then before it happens, then doesn't that mean everything is his will? Whether it be a relationship that doesn't work out or if somebody robs a bank. So either his kin and a girl is kin robbing a bank. I'm not sure. but <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question as well. Mm. Uh, this kind of seems to be two parts to this yeah. the whole yeah. passivity of Christianity yeah. and you know God's that intertwining yeah. with God's will I think the whole there's nothing passive about Christianity yeah 100% that, that's a massive misconception yeah. I mean if Christianity was passive there'll be no hospitals there would you know? be no Christianity <laughs> there'll be no like, Christianity if the apostles were passive yeah exactly no... I mean uh, perhaps my suspicion is that, you know, during the persecution during Egypt, you know, um, where it was just a reality of life, 
um, that you just had to kind of submit to, you know, whatever was going on at the time in the historical context. Maybe that's how it crept in. Um, but there's nothing passive about Christianity. But even then, during persecution, it was like very active in terms of either getting persecuted, like people were, weren't standing down and giving, like giving in. That's why the church has survived on persecution. But also in terms of the active process of forgiving someone or, or not holding a grudge against them, like that's very active. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't get the, um, you know, we did that whole martyrdom topic yeah. with, with Father Sam and you don't get the, Cure it. yeah, you don't get the, um, no, no, as in at the theological college with, oh, yeah, with yeah. Father Sam. Did, was that you? We, we, yeah. Um, Sorry. It, it's got a different, it has a different like taste. Yeah. It's not like the Holocaust where it was, it had a victim feeling to it where like, mm. this is just a guy who's, you know, just absolutely gone bananas, killing all these people and doing horrible yeah. things. And it's just miserable. It's like, of course it's, it's similar for martyrdom where, you know, there was all these things happening, mm. but it was kind of like a, um, instead of people being hunted mm. and put in these camps mm. and tortured, it mm. kind of seemed like these people were, um, they were like, I'm allowing this to happen to me. Mm. And it's low key. I know that there's glory behind this mm. and you're the one that's going to see in the final days mm. the reality of this mm. situation. So I don't get that victim vibe from our martyrs in, no. in the Christian church. So even martyrdom doesn't seem and to I be I think that's why it's so pass- so powerful is that mm. no one... It's they a don't, willing if they submission. Don't, yeah, if they don't see themselves yeah. as a victim, then how can we even in our... And I think the power of martyrdom is that it makes you reflect on... <laughs> like, if, like, why am I stressing out so much about these miniature problems when there are literally people that can't live peaceably in their own home mm. and they're happy to do and they're happy to like they're not upset they're not like they're even forgiving the people that are doing this to them and we can't like you know forgive that guy at work or, or mm. whatever like i'm not bringing it up because you guys are complaining about your co-workers <laughs> but do you know what i mean i think that's the power of martyrdom that changes the people around you yeah more as well as yourself yeah. which is an active which, which is, active. is something active yeah. that you're doing yeah I think as well, it's important to sort of like, okay, we're talking about martyrdom, but I mean, none of us, I don't think we live in a Mm. a period of time where we're experiencing martyrdom, but I think maybe I've said it in the past that I'm a bit passive as a Christian, but Mm. I think it's important to be active in terms of um, maintaining a relationship with Christ, Mm. because I think that's very, very hard to do. I think if you're passive, especially during, let's say, COVID, for example, a lot of people have been passive because you haven't been attending church Mm. or whatever it is. Um, I think it's important that you like you have to make an effort for anything you do. But it's also different for everyone. Like we can't just say these are the things you have to do to maintain the relationship with God, because like, for example, let's say we take Pope Cyril the sixth his example his mm. example could be seen as completely passive like he was someone who was it's Pope Crollos by the way Pope Crollos yeah yeah sorry for the, but for our non-Arabic yeah, yeah, yeah. speaking yeah so Pope Crollos or Pope Cyril he's from an external point of view I mean even like the book that was written about him was called The Silent Petrarch like he was seen as someone that was passive by everyone the whole mm. country mm. yet it was the complete opposite mm. internally so I think by being active, I think what we should also encourage is to be active in finding out what you need to do yeah. to be active for that, what for works everyone. for you, That's right. what yeah. works for you. Um, yeah. Because for one person, like, you know, serving someone or serving their family or praying for their family might be their active approach. For another person, yeah. Yeah. it might be, you know, Maud plays the drums, you work, you have a husband, for example. Like, it's different for everyone. 
Um, well, <laughs> I have other things in my life. No, I also work. <laughs> <laughs> I think my point is like you have to have an active approach yeah. to every aspect of your life, yeah. not just your spiritual life, yeah. like your, um, you know, like your fitness and mm. I'm probably the last person to speak, but like, I mean, like in your family life and yeah. your friendships and everything, yeah. you have to m- like make an active effort to be involved in every aspect mm. of your life, relationships, all that sort of stuff. Mm. I think if you're passive, then nothing will ever come to you. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Even pursuing friendships, even pursuing relationships, yeah. if you feel like you're on the outs of a social circle and you or a community and you want to be included, mm. then I think you have to sort of push yourself a little bit to mm. to be included. You know what I mean? Mm. If you're just passive, it's not not everything's going to come to you. Now that you saying prep prep you saying prep crawlers um, made me think of it. Just gave a thought to my mind. Um, let's just say to this person that read the email, you're speaking about being passive in a sense of you know you're being pushed. Or, mm. you know, whatever's happening mm. and you're just allowing it to happen, mm. you know. For someone like Prep Crawlers, it's not him just letting things happen and letting mm. it go and whatever. It's actually him allowing God to intervene yep. instead. Now, if you're going to do that, don't be like Pope Crawlers, men of prayer, men of love, men of mm. forgiveness, you know, men of humility, um, men of the liturgy. In context of that, he allows God to work. Yeah. Now, if I'm someone who's not praying, who's not fasting, who's not putting any time with God, yeah. has no relationship with Him, and then all of a sudden I'm in a tough situation at work, and I said, you know what, I'm going to let God's hand act. <laughs> I'm not saying God's hand won't, yeah. like I'm not limiting it, yeah. but like that—that's a different type of. Mm. You are just being passive, mm. as opposed to allowing God to work. Mm. Um, and it's it could just come down to your personality. I mean, you may not want confrontation, mm. so you're just like, you know what? I'm gonna be now. I'm gonna cherry pick God's will yeah. and God's commandments and apply it in this situation and turn the other cheek, quote unquote. Yeah. Um. And the other times is like, for example, I was listening to Father Anthony Messiah and he was saying, um, give an example of like, you know, with your family, you know, someone attacks your family yeah. or you see someone hurting or whatever. Yeah. And then people apply the whole like turn your cheek he said jesus said turn your cheek not yeah. turn someone else's cheek to get slapped again you know it's like yeah. no no you it's your own business to yeah. be um to turn your own cheek but not your business to allow yeah. others to continue suffering yeah. and if you have a passive spiritual life in a sense of you're just not doing anything mm. then what like how do you have love mm-hmm. there's so many people out there who are hurting there's so mm-hmm. many things that are going on wrong that if you're just sitting there i mean like like love is action mm. and you know if someone says that they love god yet they don't love their brother or if they hate their brother then mm. they don't love god mm. and i mean like if you just go outside for a second of yourself you will see that there's so many things that need to be done yeah mm. um in terms of maybe he's just to give a better flow of doubt maybe he's talking about humility i was gonna say i think we sometimes confuse the bible's uh, w- what christ says about humility and love and kindness and all that sort of thing and gentleness we confuse it with how we should or how we're, like we Being misinterpret passive. that yeah and mm-hmm. how we're supposed to act like we think humility is i lay down i'm a doormat i don't you know i don't do anything but we know christ stood up for himself and stood up for others you know mm. when he was slapped before getting crucified he knew he was getting crucified yet he said if i said something wrong then then why do you slap me like if i haven't said something wrong why did you slap me um so i think we we confuse that definition or we confuse what christ is actually saying and he's not saying have a weak personality have a weak character 
um, he's saying what like what your mentality should be when you are acting you know and humility we always say oh it's you know let someone else go in front of you in the communion line or whatever but it's how you act if you're criticized that's mm. that's the strength that you have and that has a lot more strength than just studying you know acting passive um we we sometimes mistake it but it's hard to be i think because i think it's kind of a cop-out sometimes like we're just like i'll just sit back and just let let this happen because mm. it's harder to say something and yeah. and we're worried about judgment or worried about saying yeah being opposed mm. I, I think, think it's a problem. I think if you have a consistent relationship with God, then you can never really have. You're not a worried about that stuff. Yeah. yeah, most people that like that I can think of in my personal life that I know have a good relationship with God. They have a strong personality, and mm. then they also allow God's hand in mm. their life. Like, do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think they go hand in hand. Because yeah. if if you know what God's will for you is, or like you're on that same trajectory, mm. then God's hand will always be in your life. It's yep. it's not sort of situational. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I would encourage the um the writer to read the book of, I think it's Judith. I may have gotten it wrong. I th- I'm pretty sure it's Judith. Yeah. I remember reading that and freaking out. That's a mad book. It's it, it's one of the books that... um Because um, God's name isn't is mentioned it, once, right? No, that's Esther. Esther. That's Esther. Mm. Sorry. It's one of those books that isn't recognized by like the Reformist Church, but yep. it's an Orthodox book. Yep. Like it's just on a wall. It's another book of the Bible. Yep. Um, and the story is, if I can remember, I read it like a year ago, two years um, water supply was being cut to the like, um, like to the, I think Israel or yeah. wherever they were, yeah. um, by the governing body or whoever yeah. it is. I don't, yeah. I don't know, like, not like service New South Wales, but like you know, the, <laughs> like the, the emperor, or whatever. Yeah, um, and they were starving, and then yeah. um, I think they needed the emperor wanted the people to submit somehow yeah. or to renounce or something, or they were freaking out something like that, um, and then the the king of God's people or the leader was like, all right, you know what? Like, Colos, people are starving. People are getting really thirsty. Mm. Let's just give them what they want. I can't mm. remember what it was that they wanted. Yeah. Um, and then Judith tells off the king, mm. like, absolutely. Like, do you have no idea how small you are and how big God mm. is? Like, who are you to examine God's mind? Who are you yeah. to all that stuff? And all these things, as in like, you are nothing. Yeah. God is more powerful yeah. than your enemies. Yeah. And after she gave that whole spiel about like, just do nothing, it's in God's hands. She went, she prayed, and then she went to like the enemy's territory. She disguised herself as like something else, as like a harlot or something. Mm-hmm. And then she entered the king's thing and she cut off his the, the king's head and then went back, took his head. And then like, so mm-hmm. after the prayer, after the trusting God, she mm-hmm. took like a massive action. Mm-hmm. Now you would be like, you know, well, if she was really trusting God, why did she take action? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, people like God's dynamic. There's no like trusting God and do nothing, and yeah. there's no trusting God and do everything in your power. Otherwise, nothing will work. Like mm. I don't know. Like that's why I don't like having. But I think the key, rules. the key that we always see in the Bible is when someone did or didn't take action correctly. It was always preceded by prayer. Yeah. But when someone took action incorrectly or hastily or whatever, there was no prayer involved. Mm. Um, like, and I was going to go back to Joseph because that's the only Bible story I know. But, like consistently throughout his story he had every right to either be passive and be like what was me i'm in like i'm in a helpless situation which he was mm. um yet every time he still took took action like when the butler forgot about him he was patient but he actually he still asked you know the butler to remember him like if if we were saying oh he could have just prayed for god to save him he could have just 
like God could have said, well, I w-, like we could have judged Joseph and said, well, why didn't he just be patient and wait for God mm. to remind the butler somehow? Mm. But yet he asked the butler himself. And I think he took that action because it's hard to ask for help. Like mm. it means you actually have to go out of yourself and realize I need help. Mm-hmm. Like I need to ask someone else help. And I think God requires action of us because it requires growth. It requires you to reach out to someone to connect to other people. Mm. Um, it was a story. I think it was Father Anthony Messia, I think. But anyway, he was talking, or it could have been actually one of our priests, but the sermon was the five loaves and two fish. And we and it was about God's will. And we say, why didn't God just create the food for the people? Mm. Um, you know, why, why did he require that five lo- those five loaves and two fish? And it was, he was saying like the, the disciples went to Christ and their prayer was God provide food for these people. Mm. And God could have clicked his fingers, food was there. Yet he said, you go and do it. Mm. Like the response to the prayer. And sometimes we don't think that that's a good response to a prayer. Like mm. we sometimes, like God sometimes says to us through, in response to our prayer, okay, you're praying for good marks. Okay, go get good marks. Mm. Like what are you asking of me that you can't do? Mm. Go study. Like I'll help you, but you need to actually do the work as well. Like you mm. need to put in action. Um, and it was the same with the disciples. Like they went, found the boy, got the five loaves and two fish, yeah. made everyone sat down, uh, sit down, and then God did the miracle, but mm. there was a lot of work put in before that. I think it's a relationship of trust. Like, yeah, I it's have trusting to trust. that if I put in this work, yeah, that like God has to work, and I've yeah. done my best. That's why I think like I don't know if this is right, but God's will in the end is sort of irrelevant yeah. because if I have faith in God and I trust Him yeah. and I know Him, yeah. then okay, whatever. Or a better happens, way of putting it is worrying about God's will is is irrelevant. irrelevant. Exactly, whatever like, happens in my life, I know is God's yeah. is God's will. Yeah. So I think like they sort of go hand in hand. Yeah. You can't just sort of sit at home and do nothing all day. And yeah. then just <laughs> go I, I, know, I know I've said this a thousand times. Yeah. But like this has changed everything. Like it's just so peaceful. And it's just like when you see God's will as the commandments of God. Yeah. As the commandments from the Bible. Yeah. As the commandments from the church. Yeah. In terms of your everyday life. You know, mm. I know I'm meant to be praying. I know I'm meant to be reading the Bible. Mm. Let me worry about God's will in that regards. Yeah. I know yeah. God's will for me is to forgive. Yeah. I know God's will for me is, you know, to fast and practice yeah. self-control and to fight against temptations. And it doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but like, as Christ said, you know, be perfect as my father written heaven is perfect. Um, and St. Gregory interprets that as perfection is attempting to be perfect in yeah. the first place and it takes Not the pressure off getting there yeah, like it exactly. takes the pressure like we're always worried oh which course which girl blah 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 like it's right there it's written right there do these things and, and like everything else becomes clear everything else becomes yeah. like whether you get into this course or not you're not worried because you know that you had that faith you followed his commandments yeah. you're kind of cashing in on this promise yeah. that you did this God has to be with you. Like yeah. you're allowed to like ask God to follow to to keep His covenant with you. Yeah. I think when we think about God's will, we think about all the really big, things, the big stuff, yeah, like marriage and career and and it's funny because the Bible family, says whatever. this is not even hard for me. Like yeah, you're asking for things that are like so easy for me to do. Yeah. So I think if you're like you said, taking the pressure off. So if you're faithful yeah. over the little things, like keeping the commandments and yeah. loving your neighbor and all that sort of things that you encounter every day, then I think the big things become less important yeah. in your life, or yeah. they should become less important. But it takes time. Yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. It takes it's a process, and it's hard to have that trust, like and commitment. You have to commit yourself yeah. to a relationship with God. The yeah. thing that really motivated me to take that approach was uh, I was sitting with um, uh, Abuni or Father Jacob. And, you know, like all these anxieties of like full-time work mm. and, mm. you know, becoming a husband and eventually a father. And then that's that's kind of where it came in. It's like, yeah. 
he was saying it's impossible for God to, you know, like, can someone really be, you know, committing to paying their tithes and committing to, you know, this, being honest in their service, being honest in their relationship with God and, like, God lets them down. And I was getting him, yeah, but, like, doesn't the Bible also tell us to expect tribulation yeah. and trials and yeah. suffering? And he said, yes, but yeah. in that you will have... Yep. peace yep. you know and and then that got to my yep. came to my mind the verse where um i have overcome the world yep. you know like have peace yep. i forgot yep. the, where the peace part comes yep. from but, uh, <laughs> i think right. it's beginning yeah yep. i don't know the verse but yeah it's just such peace of mind it's yep. like god like i'm just seeking you yep. i'm just seeking like a relationship yep. with you yep. in your presence yep. my intentions are I don't want to say pure, pure mm. in the sense of trying to be pure, yeah. not necessarily actually being pure. Yeah. And then like, I just submit my life in your hands. But that's enough. And yeah, that's, that's enough. enough. And, and exactly. all these, like all these songs about like surrendering mm. and um, I give myself to you. I mm. didn't really understand what that means. Is it like, I just put my hand up and say, Hey, pick me and <laughs> do whatever you want to be. And now, now I actually understand that now yeah. these, these messages and those songs have mm. so much meaning where it's actually, that goes back to the, um, the passive part of it. Mm. Me surrendering isn't actually passive. Mm. Me giving myself up isn't actually passive mm. no. because now I'm committing myself to go out there and follow these commandments. Yeah. That's and what Martita is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, marriage. It reminds me of uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, brother, uh, Laurel, brother Lawrence in his book, um, Practicing the Presence of God. And like he, he's, one of his letters, he's like, even if I'm going about this the wrong way, my focus is God. And there is no way God is going to let me go down the wrong way if I'm seeking him. Mm-hmm. Like he knows my heart, my intention is pure. He knows I want to have a relationship with him. Even if I'm doing it the wrong way, even if I... Because he was so, like his concern in this letter was or the person that he was responding to is what's you know what's the right way to pray is what are the the daily things that we should be doing blah blah and he's like i'm doing whatever i like whatever is going to get me to to have a better relationship with god i'm doing my best um and like he even says like even if god's will is for me to go to hell i'm happy with that because that's the best like it's a bit it's very hard to obviously it, like fathom it's probably just like an imagery it's it's yeah. yeah it's a it's probably hyperbole or, yeah. or whatever i didn't do proper english at school but like it's yeah, we know you went to adelaide yeah <laughs> hey that's not all right um yeah like even if it's god's will is for me to go home i have so much faith in him that that's the best thing for me that i'm happy with it mm. like as i said it's very hard to think about being happy or go to hell but imagine having that trust that no matter where you are mm. you're happy because you you know that that's the thing that God planned for you. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's not passive. Like you, doesn't mean that you don't pursue that career or you don't pursue that relationship or you don't, you don't do those things, but you do it with the knowledge that if it doesn't work out, I'm, I'm happy because. In fact, uh, sorry. No, in fact, when you fine. think of the parable of the, the talents, who was the one that got condemned yeah. and cast into hell? The one that didn't do anything. The yeah. one that just like, you know, yeah. just like, you know, <laughs> where else? Everyone else went out there. Just like at least give it to like he didn't the actually bankers. grow Marwood. Like he actually yeah. said something. He just groaned. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's passive in the Bible. You know. <laughs> yeah. Big gnashing of teeth. <laughs> I think we covered that one. Yeah. There's not yeah. really. Was there a second part to that question? Though? Well, there I was. It, it was saying, like, if God knows everything before it oh, happens, then right. doesn't it mean everything is as well, including if a relationship doesn't work out or if somebody robs a bank? And I think what possibly we can get confused sometimes is consequences versus like, sorry, what human actions are versus God's 
like will like someone murdering you know a baby for example that is god didn't ask him to do that that's just humans being humans being bad people and also for knowledge isn't like no predestination it's like no, i watched the movie twice the yeah. second time i watched it i still like it didn't change anyone's yeah, exactly, will yeah. i didn't change the plot it's like, like you know i mean it's but i mean the argument with foreknowledge obviously is that god does have the power but you know it's a whole different topic oh, he could actually change yeah yeah like god yeah, could have stopped that person from robbing a bank or could have stopped you know in your example could have stopped hitler from killing the jews but and then that's a, a whole argument of that's what will. i'm that's what yeah. i'm saying and it's we sometimes confuse uh, like a really good example of this, and maybe people overseas might not have heard of, heard of this, but um, the couple whose three kids or three of their kids were murdered by a drunk driver. Um, and the reason they were able to forgive is that they, they accepted that God didn't make this person do anything. This person did it out of their own, you know, will. out of their own will, out of their own faults. They, they were mm-hmm. drunk, whatever. Yet they accepted that God had a will in it in that it was meant for good. There, there was something good to come out of it. Mm. And there is something good coming out of it where they've, so many people have been affected by their ability to love and forgive that person. And mm. um, that's just one example. It's a very extreme example, but yeah. I think... And it's hard to say. It's, it's like very also hard. God took my three children yeah. to teach people a moral lesson. Yeah. You no, know exactly. Example. It's, it, very, it's, it's, yeah. it's very, it's, it's very, it's very It's hard. very difficult, but, but yeah, it, pr- it shows the point that as humans, we can see that God has a good in everything then that allows us to think past that evil, to to overcome that evil. And that's the only way. Because I can't imagine what people who don't believe in a higher power or yeah. like what they would think. Like I remember even talking, I can't remember if I was talking to you about it or someone else, but during coronavirus, like mm. people who weren't spiritual or religious, or whatever, what were they thinking? Like mm. seeing the world collapse. Mm. Like I, can, I can't even imagine like if we ne- didn't have faith that, you know, God sees everything, God knows what's happening. What would we have thought? Mm seeing just everything collapse around us in a matter of months yeah yeah and don't forget also that um we're judging god based on what's happening on this earth. yeah he's so, so out of time yeah and it's like all right at least judge him on like what's happening like eternally yeah and what did he do for our eternal life he yeah. came down died himself yeah. so that we don't have to yeah i mean like you know be friendly in judgment of god you know <laughs> like yeah like the little small i, I know it's painful because yeah. that's all we know and that's the problem we don't it's, it's, it's we don't yeah. like we don't it, like acknowledging that it's painful. Yeah. Uh, we have to, I think. Mm. But Christina doesn't want to talk about suffering. So. <laughs> I just think it's... I think we overcomplicate lots of things. You and would I, do. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's a lot simpler than the argument of free will and God's will yeah. and that sort of thing. I think, like, if we just sort of... Like what we were saying before, if you just sort of live day to day in His commandments, mm. I think all of the external stuff, they just sort of... Falls into place, go away yeah. because like, yeah. we're never going to understand it it's, it's never going to mm. happen we're never going to understand but, but some people's what God's will is, is they, they, they have to understand these things I mean like for me especially um, that's what leads people down the road of like apologetics and all that kind of stuff which is philosophy. which is yeah. that, that's fine if that's sort of your inclination that's good but at the end of the day even if you sort of go through all of that yes you, you sort of if that's the way that you build your mm. faith then that's go for it that's great but I think for at least for me I'm a bit more simple minded that stuff is too big for my brain it'll explode mm. and I think if you sort of for me at least if I think about it too much I just end up going in the opposite direction because I'm so yeah. overwhelmed because it's so overwhelming mm. like like what you were saying before, like I can't understand why yeah. three young yeah. children would die. No one, well, no one yeah. can. No one can. Like, yeah. I'm not even 
saying that I can begin to understand. Yeah, but no if, if but I think you're very lucky that you're not an overthinker as well. But I think like if <laughs> seeking knowledge strengthens your faith, then that's what you should do. Mm. I think whatever strengthens your faith, that's that's the road that you should take, mm. and you should be active in that, mm. in finding out what's going mm. to strengthen your faith. Mm. So if it's theology, if it's apologetics, mm. if it's prayer, if it's um, service, whatever it is, mm. as long as it's strengthening your faith in God, I yeah. think that's the most important yeah. thing. Because then he'll give you the peace that you need. But we know that strengthening your knowledge or seeking knowledge is not always the best way. Like when Thomas, he's like, I have to know, I have to see, I have to figure it out. Like, yes, Christ showed him, but we know that then he said, blessed are those who have not seen yet Mm. believe. Like we know that there is a blessing in Mm. that faith that is not by sight. Um, But But they go hand in hand. It's very hard and it's very easy to, to sit here in you know a very privileged country in australia and Mm. you know and say this when we're not the ones going through persecution we're not the ones going through poverty so it is very easy to say that and everyone obviously has their own troubles but um talking you know if we're if we're trying to reach people who are you know similar situation as us then i think i think it's it's a good message Mm. Uh, i found the um as you're talking about that it relates to that little tell-off that judith gave to the leaders i got a verse here um, it's like, who are you to put God to the test today and to set yourselves up in the place of God in human affairs? You are putting the Lord Almighty to the test, but you will never learn anything. You cannot plumb the depths of the human heart or understand the workings of the human mind. And I'll just add to that, like even our own hearts and yeah. our own minds, you yeah. know, like, why am I thinking like this one? Yeah. You know, um, how do you expect to search out God who made all these things and find out his mind? Or comprehend his thoughts. Mm. No, my brothers, do not anger the Lord our God. If he does not choose to help us within the... And then she goes into about the situation. Mm. So I guess it's the same thing. We're going to have questions. We don't even know how we act. Mm. How we're going to understand God's, you know, thoughts. And I think it, like, it reminds you of... There's a verse in Psalms that says, Search me, God, and try me and, and know my ways. And it's, it's not saying, God, give me the ability to know my own heart. It's saying, you, God, search me. Because then in prayer, that's where we start to know God, we start to know more about ourselves. And why are we knowing more about ourselves? Because God is the one who created us. We're talking to the one who created us. Mm. Like it's, I know Marit, like Marit has talked about the, the, the laptop analogy before. Mm-hmm. Like instead of trying to read someone else's description of the laptop, who, why don't you go to the person who created it and ask him how it works? That's the whole thing. Like why don't we go to the person who created our life and ask him what's the, what's the plan? Uh, and and even if it doesn't get, yeah, what's the, <laughs> <laughs> What's the show? What's the show? Kim Possible, yeah. And um, and even if he doesn't give us an answer, have that faith because it's not just another person. It's yeah. it's God, the Almighty. And there's literally a thousand examples in the Bible yeah. and, and yeah. saints and like, like Martys and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Even the people around you. Yeah. Next question. Sure. Um... How can we bring people to Christianity, sorry, if outsiders see Christianity as restricting them to do things? How do you show them that a relationship with God is better than these things? Shout out to Kira for that question. Good question. <laughs> that is a good question. Especially from like a year, I think it was year 10 or year 11. Honestly, oh, really? well done. <laughs> yeah. the, the hardest thing is, how do you explain like what's mm. taken us years and years mm. to understand? I mean, like we went through that phase of questioning yeah 
God, you know, how does he exist, the resurrection, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. you know, why are these limits, you know, placed there, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And then, like, you want to explain to that, explain to someone who's asking you, probably in a cynical way, just, you know, probably, be, yeah. um, and give them the answer in two minutes. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond to that. Um, the, the, <laughs> like... Thank the, God you're here. Yeah. The, the, the most... Um, it's really hard. The... the at St. Luke's, Father Dan and Father Sam, they, they usually emphasise one thing, that people, especially in our culture, like in Australia, people get to know God through your relationship yeah. with them. Mm. Yeah. Um, having that genuine relationship. And then in that relationship, over time, that's when then they have the months and the years to see you and learn from you mm. and all that kind of stuff. And, mm. and you know what? Like, all right, yeah, let's just say there are rules to mm. Christianity and they're all limiting stuff. Mm. Like, are there no rules, like, that you're living by society? Yeah. I mean, like, you have to get, like, whatever on a Friday night or, like, you can't speed. I mean, no one questions the existence of the government because we have, like, road <laughs> limits and, and all that stuff. It's like, and no one questions the validity of that. It's like, yeah, social distancing, you know, it, it's just for your own good. Yeah. How come when it comes to some divine being that's created us and he's obviously given us some rules why is that now suddenly like the draining thing mm. you know so put that question back to them it's like okay so you're not living by any rules you know tell me some of the things that you live by even mm. rules that you set yourself mm. your habits your routine mm. Mm. i mean like that's not really something that i guess dismisses um uh, the the validity of christianity mm or the worthwhile having a relationship with God. You're not losing anything having a relationship with God. Mm. Um, The same way you consider yourself not losing anything having a relationship with that group of friends that, you know, just to fit in, you have to do these certain things or look a certain way. You know, Mm. we all have rules. And if I'm going to follow someone's rules, I'd rather it be from my creator and a creator who loves me so much that he died for me. Mm. I'm going to go with that guy. I think as well, like like what you said before, I think it's a bit of a cookie-cutter answer, but, like, obviously the way that you act is really important. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because, mm. like, no one is going to sit and listen to you talk about God. Like, mm. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I don't know. Mm. So I think the way that you treat that person and the way that you act is more important. And, in fact, they may not change their ideas of Christianity mm. um, in your relationship with them because, you know, maybe after a couple of years, maybe it's during your school or university or work or whatever it is you may Mm. only have a limited time with them but later on the track something may trigger them do you Mm. get what i'm saying Mm. so i think it's a bit like it's a bit of a fluffy answer but i think it's true i think it's just the way that you act you don't always have Mm. to preach to people that's not always the way to go and that's why i really um i really like it when people are themselves in a godly way Mm. not themselves in what godly people are usually for example like just maybe a way to illustrate that is you know your local church you may have that handful of people who are like you know the um like air quotes big servants (laughs) and usually they not look when i say look the same i don't mean like they physically look the same but as in same mannerisms same temperaments (laughs) kind of thing um generally same similar interests and perspective kind of thing so and then it only attracts people that are like that. I mean, you mm. could probably see even in, in our church where the people that are really taking, you know, um, the relationship with God seriously that we perceive, and, and I'm saying that we perceive, um, like we don't know who actually is and who mm. isn't, 
but the ones that we can perceive, we perceive them because they look the same or mm. act the same, that kind of thing. But is there something mm. wrong with that? Uh, I think so, because then when someone isn't like that, yeah. then it just dismisses them. Or for me to be yeah. a person who loves God, I have to look like that when that's just not my personality. Mm. It's just not who I am. Mm. But so what are you saying those people should do? Like, what if they are genuinely having a relationship with God and that's yeah. just the way it's coming out and all those big servants air yeah. quotes are all genuine yeah I'm not saying I'm not saying they're not genuine I'm not yeah. saying these people but what if are, that's just how it's coming out yeah yeah that's fine yeah. I'm not saying uh, that's what I'm saying I'm saying it's kind of mm. like a um, how do like I put don't it? put it on if it's not you no no yeah. no I'm not uh, yeah yeah well that too yeah but I'm just saying um, how, how do I put it um, it's kind of like your job interviews where they always tell the manager don't pick someone who is just a mini version of you hmm and then so when it happens like say for example with services or selecting a group of people to help you with your service or whatever um, or say the way you're going to run things don't necessarily pick someone that is like you in a spiritual sense Mm. because you're going to assume that they are righteous because they act like you Mm. that's why I like like I I really like seeing diversity in people Mm. in the church you know the way Mm. they um, talk the way they pray their their you know their talents their gifts mm. their hobbies their interests you know the way they laugh you know the way mm. they pray you know like just those little quirks it's like yeah. i just love that variety yeah. you know and then the person who's like shy and quiet and you know um likes to pray sitting on the edge of the church you know kind of hidden um he's someone that loves god and the person who's like passionate at the front with his hands raised mm. who we might like think you know who's this guy showing off like he loves god just as much as that mm. guy and the person who's you know like into music is just as righteous as the person who's into you know like the uh, traditional stuff mm. you know just uh, just you know that's why i feel like the more we have that um the less of the why do you guys have all these rules yeah. because like yeah. i said at the beginning um these aren't rules yeah so maybe the person that's thinking of these rules He's is actually saying, thinking of yeah. something that's not necessarily the case and again i think it comes back to how we interpret things that are said in the Bible and what, like for example your example of someone in the corner praying versus someone up front I think we judge that person who might be praying loudly whatever because of the story in the Bible the of Pharise- the, the yeah. Pharisee and the and the um, tax collector and Christ never rebuked the Pharisee for the way that he prayed he rebuked him for the what was in his heart and that's the that's what you're trying to get to exactly it's, he said to to be seen by to that's be, why he re, 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 um, like what was in his heart was he wanted to be seen by others exactly it, it wasn't like th- what I, the tax collector didn't stand in the corner because he was trying to be humble and that's what he thought was the right thing to do he genuinely thought he was a sinner and didn't want didn't think that he should be staying there that was in his heart I think that's what you're trying to get at is look at what is in people's heart not look at how they portray it because even if you look at the disciples they were a very 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 varied <laughs> very diverse group of people yeah like you had peter outspoken loud you had like john the quiet one the one that you know stuck by christ's side like you had very different types mm. of people um and everyone with different personality you had mary and martha one was serving one was the contemplative one and we know that no, no not one of them Christ wasn't rebuking um, Martha for serving. He was re- rebuking her for being worried about serving. Mm. So we know that contemplation, prayer, what Mary did, and action, what Martha did, are both important. So we shouldn't be, as you said, we shouldn't be judging people for the way that they think is the correct way to... Because it excludes people. Like, what if someone has come from a very different background? You know, you know, I'm sure that that day that 
Saint, I think it was Saint Paul or Saint Peter, or I can't remember who it was. But then when they converted three thousand people, I'm sure they weren't all the same type of people. Like I'm sure there was Jews and Greeks, and there was different types of people. Mm. Yet if they had all cherry picked, well, you need to be this sort of person. You need to be this sort of servant. I'm sure it would have been like five people. I think the analogy that we're all um, part of the body of Christ, mm. but we're all different parts of that body, yeah. is like a good analogy. Like we mm. all have the same goal and we should all be in the same mind, but mm. we all have different things to bring yeah. to the table. And I think that's why we always talk about like cultivating your interests and your yeah. hobbies. And if mm. you want to do puppets, do puppets. If mm. you want to do music, do music. Like there's, you can bring like lots of different things to the yeah. table. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's... Yeah, I think, yeah. But so back to the question. Sorry, Marlon. <laughs> I was just going to say, and at the other hand, you can't judge someone even in a positive way. Yeah. Like there's this story that I read in the, um, I think it was the Desert Fathers where um, someone, like a monk, was like, being accused of something. Yeah. And then they were like, you know, ridiculing him and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then later on, they found out that he was actually innocent of what they accused him mm. of. Mm. He didn't care when they accused him. He yeah. was just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. And then they went to him and they're like, like, Abba, you know, forgive us. Yeah. Like we wrong accused you, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I don't care. And then they went to the abbot and they're like, man, this guy's a saint. Like what we did was we accused him falsely and he didn't care. And then we like apologized to him and he didn't even care. Um, like he's such a righteous man. Mm. And then the abbot was like, no, he's actually not righteous. He's just, that's just his personality. Like, he's just dispassionate. Mm. Yeah. Like, it wasn't an effort for him to forgive you. Mm. It's because he actually didn't care what you thought about in the first place. <laughs> like, he, there was no struggle in there. Yeah. And at the same time, someone who we may judge as not being forgiving, mm. someone he's who's holding on, yeah, is maybe someone who, like, they, it's just eating them up inside. And yeah. the fact that they haven't, like, done something to that person perhaps is like a massive step for that person so like or they just judging. or they just don't care like like don't be so you know if someone yeah you ask you know you say sorry to someone and they're just like yeah cool things maybe they're not it's not because you know they're not accepting of the apology or, or whatever but maybe they just they've managed to reach a state where they let those things go way before you even thought it was a problem mm-hmm. and that's just how it's expressed and it's like you said their personality like mm-hmm. we shouldn't and um, even even to yourself, I yeah. mean, like, if 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 I'm fasting and yeah. the person next to me isn't fasting, yeah. it's like who are you doing? Yeah, like it, it's been a habit for you for the last like thirty years. Yeah. You've been doing it since you were kids because yeah. your parents. It's so easy for yeah. you. Mm. You know, this guy's like just trying it out for the first time, and yeah. you know, like him not having a massive stake yeah. is like a struggle, huge. Yeah. So just just chalik for nafsak comes down to judging. Yeah, yeah, like just stay to yourself and yeah. and assume the best in everyone. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I think we, we answered that one. All right. Um, or at least we hope we did. And like, if you're still not sure or if that doesn't answer, I mean, I think evangelism will be like how to evangelize in like a modern society should be probably a topic yeah. some at some point down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll focus a bit more on that, that. Like we're not here to give, you know, comprehensive answers to each of those questions. We're just um, trying to give just our opinions that are hopefully going to guide you to the right place. Okay, so the last one we'll ask um, and wrap up. Um, if someone becomes a monk slash nun, how are they benefiting the world? Like, isn't it similar to abandoning everyone, whereas they could be serving serving orphans or homeless people? How are they saving souls from a monastery? I don't think this person is being cynical, but <laughs> it kind of sounds a bit skeptical. I think Marwood wrote it. <laughs> um, we actually got... Um, 
because I don't think it's right for someone who's not a monk to answer this. So we got a monk from St. Anthony's Monastery here, sorry, not St. Anthony, St. Shinoda's Monastery, who is a Buna Anthony um, here in Sydney, Australia, to answer this. Um, and he gave a very good answer. So we'll play it for you guys um, now. So it's a very common question that a lot of people ask, people that visit the monastery uh, ask. Um, how come, uh, isn't it selfish being a monk? Isn't it, uh, shouldn't you be uh, serving in the world, serving some poor people, some, uh, you know, some people in hospitals, uh, do so be something useful for the world? And um, the, I think the, 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 the idea of monasticism uh, is uh, the pursuit of holiness. So you're trying, uh, you, you, you are pursuing holiness uh, in, in the, that was, um, that was St. Anthony's, uh, who was the first monk. That's his first uh, initial um, calling. He heard the gospel reading saying that if you want to be perfect, go sell all you have and come and follow me. And that's what he wanted to do. So he was seeking perfection. Um, uh, seeking perfection and gaining perfection uh, is in itself is a magnet for, uh, for, for people. Okay. So uh, monasticism in itself is a magnet for uh for people outside, so someone who, uh, someone who hears about uh, he hears about holiness and perfection, life perfection, Christian perfection, is very different from someone who sees a life perfection. When you hear a lot of sermons about uh, you know uh, how to be holy, how to be uh, you know uh, live a perfect life, it, it, it's very different from when you go to you know someone and see someone who's living this holy life. Of course, the question now is. Um, okay, why can't you just be holy in the world doing other things? Why does holiness have to be a way? Um, it's, it's one of the ways. It's not the only way of being holy, but it is definitely uh, one of the ways. Um, this is not out from outside the Bible. It's from inside the Bible. So when we hear about uh, Martha and Mary, um, we hear that you know, Martha was serving and you know, doing all the, the services that we have as uh, as we call them today like serving the guests the, the, the cooking the you know all that stuff and uh, Mary was just sitting at the feet of Christ so um, Christ didn't say one is better than he said you know she chose the good path Mary chose who not not Martha who was doing the service and the helping but Mary um, and that doesn't say that Mary didn't help Martha, but didn't, you know, the, 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 so they complement each other basically. So um, one ca cannot work without the other. So we can't all be uh, monks and no one is serving, and we can't all be serving and no one monks. Uh, actually, in the Orthodox Church, the, the first uh, line of doing any mission in the church is through monasticism. So you, um, uh, what I mean by that is, uh, it's like, okay, like all that stuff that you talk about in the Bible, where, where is it in, you know, in real life? So this is what monasticism is. The other thing is that monasticism is praying for the world. So a lot of people think that um, um, monks are against the world or they're here because they, are, they hate the world or they don't like, I don't know, married people or they don't like uh, living in the world. But that's not the case. That's not the case. And we know that from the lives of saints. Um, so St. Anthony, who's the first monk, we just mentioned, uh, he met up with uh, another saint. His name is St. Paul. He was the first hermit. And St. Paul was uh, living in the desert by himself, completely by himself. So St. Anthony at least had disciples, but St. Paul uh, had, uh, had, and had no one. 70 years without seeing anyone at all. Um, and the first thing he, uh, he uh, asked him, St. Paul, asked St. Anthony when he saw him, he said, how is the world, uh, is, is Christianity prospering? Is the Nile flooding? 
is the um, uh, are people living well in the world. So, which, well, uh, by the way, Annie, just a disclaimer, uh, Nile flooding is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it's plenty, means plenty. Stimulates the economy of Egypt. Correct. Yeah. yeah. If there's no flooding, no one eats, yeah. you know. Um, and if, so, uh, even though he lived 70 years without seeing anyone, what's in his mind is, uh, is the world prospering. Is, yeah. is, so, he's there, not against the world or hating the world, but he's there for the world, praying mm. for the world. It's always in his mind that the, the, the world is... Um, uh, uh, you know the, the prosperity and the, that people you know have a good life and Christianity thriving and things like that. The other thing is that the, before actually Saint Anthony went to him, he said that uh, the angel who told him to go visit him told him that the earth is blessed because of because of Saint Paul. Mm. Okay, and the Nile is flooding because of Saint Paul. So God gives us blessing because of some holy people in uh, you know who dedicate their life um, just for his uh, for his uh, you know for his glory. Um, again, this is biblical in the Old Testament, of course, you know, uh, in, 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 uh, in uh, uh, Isaiah, not Isaiah, um, uh, the, the prophet uh, Elijah, you know, when he said that there are prophets who has not, you know, bowed their, head, uh, their knees to bow. So God honors that, honors that there is a group of people who dedicate themselves to, uh, of course, that, that is not just monks, that's all Christians, but more so people who are uh, fully dedicated just for uh, for, for God's you know for God's glory to to worship God. Monks who pursue this life, or people who choose to to pursue monastic life, would they be neglecting any of the gifts that God has given them? Um, no, uh, on the contrary. So uh, people have different gifts. So um, when I uh, I'm in the monastery, I'm using my gift. So gifts don't have to be in you know serving the poor or you know going out and doing you know uh, mission work or anything. But it's supposed to be a gift is different. So someone's gift is to go and you know do mission and bring people to Christ, and someone else's mission um, gift is to stay in one place and give glory to God in where he is in, in in a monastery. Or so it's a variety of gifts. So this is another gift. Like I was saying, it's it's a, it's not that you're neglecting your gift and going to the monastery, but you're pursuing your gift, the God-given gift, which is to spend time with God and spend you know time in in prayer and fasting and and, uh, and so on. So, it uh, it's not it's not what you think. Uh, it's not how you like you you mentioned uh, how you put it as neglecting your gift. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's actually using your gift, mm -hmm. God given gift. Does that mean not everybody can be called to do the the other service like helping the poor, help, going to countries and and I don't know administering medical attention to poor people? Like not you can't like everyone's got their own specific calling, but you sort of have to find it or you do choose do you know what i mean like you chose to be a monk or were you called to be a monk that's a good question so whether monastic is a calling or a choice um i think generally speaking with with your own calling it's usually both okay so i have a passion for i don't know when i see someone near church to bring people to church you know i have a passion for it for example Okay, um, so that's my calling, you know. Um, God put me, put in me that passion, okay, and I'm just cultivating that passion and becomes my calling. And that's what I want to do. Or I have a calling for um, uh, hanging out with, uh, with kids and doing stuff, you know, uh, troubled kids and people who are tr struggling, kids are struggling from whatever parents or from whatever social uh, pressures there are. And that becomes my calling. So God blesses that. God gives you that. You know, passion, and he blesses it. Like so, it's both at the same time. It's not one or the other. So God gives you, and the same with monasticism. So He gives you this desire to be with Him and to be, you know, living in the monastery all the time, 
and he uh, he blesses it. You know, if you, but you still have a choice to, to choose that. You know. Um, because that's it for everyone. Everyone has that talent. Everyone has that choice. So um, whether it's panacism, whether it's serving others, it, everyone has that um, you know, that choice, of course. Do you think you know how some people say, like becoming a monk is uh, escaping, like escaping the world and its troubles? Like I would assume that's a that's a good thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a a good thing to avoid the situations or particular situations. That, that that a married person might have, for example, by becoming a monk. I don't think that's why monks choose to become monks, but they but it's obviously some some sort of a perk that comes with it. You know what I mean? Like you're not you're not dealing you're you're sort of limiting yourself in the the worldly struggles section. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that true? Do you yeah. feel like obviously you've got your own battles as a human being mm-hmm. in in solitude? But it's definitely uh, it's definitely not less, if not more. Yeah. Okay, so the battles of a monk in, in, in solitude or in, in a monastery, mm-hmm. um, it's much, much more, okay? Um, because, um, yeah, like, for, uh, let's not go far, let's look at the life of Anthony, for example, all right? As soon as he went out of, uh, into the desert, he saw gold in the, in the sand, you know, just tempting him about, you know, uh, riches. And, and even sometimes it was a good reason, like the devil, when he appeared to him, said, take this gold, go to the country, help the poor people and stuff. So the temptation came in a, like in a nice package, you know, oh, wow. of, of leaving and coming back. So it didn't come in like gold and be rich and stuff. No, 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 help out the poor people. Um, but that was a temptation, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't because it wasn't St. Anthony's calling. You know, his, his calling was already, um, he, would saw, he would see visions of women in, in the desert, like illusions of women and, and phantoms and stuff. He would see phantom like beasts and wild beasts attacking him from everywhere. Um, so it was very fierce. It wasn't, um, it wasn't what you think, uh, like, oh, you're just sitting in your room, just hanging out, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's not that. Of course, saying that, like, it doesn't happen to, you know, monks. Like, it's, it's not every monk that goes through this, but... Uh, the serious, the serious ones, it does happen to them, of course. So the the the, the higher you go, or the, the deeper you go in your um, uh, pursuit uh, of holiness. Sorry. Pursuit of holiness. Pursuit of holiness. The harder it gets. Yeah. It, it it never gets. Uh, it's not. It's never easier. It's it's always it's always harder. Actually, like about a third of the life of Anthony is about his, um, uh, as Saint Anthony puts it, his um, victory over the devil. He doesn't put it as struggle against the devil. He puts it as victory over the devil. Yeah. So a third of, it, of the life is about that, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's a very big part of the, of the uh, monk's life. So we can't really say that it's um, uh, escaping uh, temptation. No. You're throwing yourself into more. Uh, more temptations and, you know, the bosom of Christ. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, he's still there. Of course, he's walking behind, behind you uh, at every step, you know. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for the questions. Um, I feel like this was actually a pretty good episode to record. Yeah, it was actually you know, it was, good. It was quite fun going through these questions and yeah. you know taking things in different directions. So please keep them coming. Um, and we we'll, we'll promise to get back to it. And keep addressing Dan and Christina. 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 Yeah, it'll actually prove if you've been listening <laughs> that if you call her Christina. Thanks, guys. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.